Good afternoon and welcome to the Snake River Lid podcast. It is the 4th of January of 2023. I'm not sure, but I may have mistaken on the year yesterday if I stated it. For that, I apologize. Thank you so much for listening, by the way. I do appreciate it. Um, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter to me the number of people that listen. Um, it does matter, not so much because I feel like what I have to say is important, even though I do think that it is. And I do this mostly for myself, and that is a true statement. But I also just would like to just know how things are and what people think about what I have to say. Maybe it's an insecurity on my part, whatever, I don't know. Uh, As we're speaking, uh, the would-be Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is losing or may have already lost the fifth round of votes to become Speaker of the House. At this point, it's going to start to get a little bit nervous for those who uh, liked to see Republicans in charge. And with every single vote that goes on, the likelihood of Kevin McCarthy being able to control the House of Representatives, as Speaker, should he ultimately win, is diminished. And that is is unfortunate for the Republicans. It's unfortunate, frankly, well, I'd like to think it's unfortunate for the country, but I do understand those Chip Roy, Matt Gates, that group, I do understand their point. You know, we've gone along to get along. Conservatives, and perhaps even those more libertarian-minded conservatives, have had to accept the mantra from the D.C. Republican establishment of go along and get along because what is the option? It's just like what we voters face when we go to the polls. You know, you don't really want to vote for the Republican, but... The alternative is a progressive Democrat. And so what do you do? You hold your nose. But at some point, you got to say that I've had enough. And I'm no longer going to support this party because they ultimately don't support me. I mean, the perfect example is with Mitch McConnell. We've mentioned this. I mentioned it, in fact, last night that, you know, Mitch McConnell was able to give Joe Biden the ability to claim legislative success in the first two years of his presidential term. After all, they passed the infrastructure bill. They passed a gun control bill, which is like the first time in a million years that they've passed a gun control bill. They've um, passed a, uh, the uh, uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which, by the way, new taxes go into effect this week because of that act, new taxes for everybody. And so the D.C. establishment only cares 
about their ability to maintain some sort of a status, uh, what's the word, a social status in Washington, D.C. You know, Mitch McConnell was married to Elaine Chow. She was Secretary of Transportation, uh, I think, under or under uh, Trump. She was, you know, she's also been all sorts of people. Also knee deep with China, being Chinese, and it's not a racist comment to say that. It's just simply a point of fact that that Mitch McConnell does not like when Republicans refer to China as the enemy. And make no mistake, make no mistake, we are in a Cold War with China. Except for unlike the Cold War against the Soviet Union in the from the 50s to the very late 80s, unlike that Cold War, China economically is far stronger than Russia ever was. China poses a very clear and present danger economically to the United States and to the Western world. Right now, right now, the United States economy and the United States finances, which are being floated, the government finances in particular, being floated by the Federal Reserve. The only thing keeping them upright is that the U.S. dollar is a standard uh, reserve currency for the world. At some point, China is going to make the decision and others will follow to set their currency as the standard. And all they have to do is very simple. If you're going to trade with China, which the whole world does, they're not going to accept dollars anymore. And if you think that this 7 8% inflation is bad now, wait until the world decides, because of China's decision, to not keep dollars. And they flood the market with them. Treasuries, they start selling them off to buy Chinese treasuries, etc. Now, of course, everyone knows that really pretty much every central bank in the world, you know, they're just floating checks. They're going to, they're going to the uh, check cashing places that governments go to, to, to uh, keep their checkbooks balanced. And we're paying the price for it. But really, we're only scratching the surface here. We're talking about this. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, at what point does Kevin McCarthy realize that even if he does ultimately wear down his opponents to the point where he's elected speaker, how is he going to be able to govern? See, Nancy Pelosi, and, and, and this is... You know, the Democrats, of course, are praising Nancy Pelosi, which is no surprise. 
because Nancy Pelosi was a dictator in the House of Representatives. She had an iron fist holding the reins of the House of Representatives. And see, Democrats love that. That's their favorite thing, is that kind of rule. They love that rule. They love the fact that they can do what they want with impunity. In fact, they wish that President Biden had that same ability. And in truth, had he taken a different course in the first two years of his presidency, he could have. Had he proposed a moderate, and I say moderate not from a conservative point of view, but a slightly less extreme uh, Women's Reproductive Health Act, you know, the one that said, instead of the one that they wanted to pass, which said that, that that's not a baby up to and including the moment of birth. And so abortion on demand up to and including the moment of birth. And in some states, they say, ah, no, first month or so afterwards, uh, if that baby dies, we're not going to care. California, Maryland. It would have spread like a cancer, though, had, had uh, anything passed. Had President Biden realized and accepted where the American people were, and instead of wanting this abortion on demand up to and including the moment of birth, had he said something a little bit more reasonable, like after 24 weeks, abortions can only be done under certain conditions and not just as an elective choice. You know what? He would have had the support of the American people. In their in their um, their voting law that they wanted to pass, thankfully it did not. Instead of saying, oh, we want to have 16-year-olds be able to vote, Remember, the left thinks that 16-year-olds cannot own a gun. They think that 18-year-olds cannot own a gun. And yet, they're okay with the 18-year-olds going into the military. They're okay with they're okay with the 18-year-olds voting for them. And the fact that it would uh, account for I apologize. You know how it is with the dogs in the mail, but I'm not going to stop because I'm doing pretty well. We will stop. So I'll be right back. Don't worry. I've wrote a note where I was, so I'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you so much for listening. I apologize for that. They were just uh, had the Amazon driver stop by. Also, the mail lady is on her way and they're watching. So. We'll have another interruption, but hopefully that one will be fairly brief. President Biden could have had a far more productive legislative session and had much greater power in dealing with the American people had he simply not taken the extreme position on every single issue that came up. 
how extreme? For those that don't know, uh, the Pope Emeritus, uh, Benedict, I re don't recall the number, passed away this past weekend, uh, the 16th. And so we're going to be having his funeral coming up. President Biden, who is, according to himself, is a devout Catholic, even though he completely tosses out uh, the church's stance on gay marriage, abortion, etc., will not be attending. He will not be attending specifically at Pope Benedict's request before he passed away, obviously, but also the Vatican has specifically asked that he not attend. I think that tells you all you need to know about that. You see, I don't want to stray too much into the view from the rim here, but, you know, there are some principles that are eternal and that regardless of what society says, don't change. Right and wrong. Or is that way? But again, I digress. It's just so, so, so much is frustrating because I think about what President Biden could have done. And how much ultimately he could have advanced the progressive agenda had he simply stayed in touch with the pulse of America. Voters in America, actually American citizens, in supermajorities, even amongst blacks and Hispanics, support the idea of voter ID. Americans, while the majority do not want to see an outright ban on abortion, that is a true statement, they were also misled on what... There she is. On what the Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs meant to uh, Roe versus Wade. You know, and what the overturning of Roe meant to the American people. You see, the American people equate the ruling Roe versus Wade with abortion, period. And in reality, Dobbs did not ban abortion. Dobbs could not ban abortion. All Dobbs did was say, hey, you know, under the, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, anything not mentioned is relegated to the states. We're relegating this to the state. Justice Kagan, uh, who for some reason people consider her a, a more centrist voice on the court, 
you would know it by her not her rulings but her votes on various cases she's simply strictly in lockstep with the progressives MJ hush She has said, you know, that it's not right to take, you know, you give rights and then you take rights. Well, she is right about that. But here's the problem. If the government gives it to you, it's not a right. It's an entitlement. Allowing you to vote, frankly, is not necessarily a right. In fact, for the first, you know, 100 plus years, not only was it that only white men could vote, but see, that's not even an accurate statement. Because for the first several decades at least, there was not universal male suffrage. You had to be a property owner. Today, in my personal view, I think that the only way that you should be able to vote is to produce a tax 1040 form that you take with you to show that you actually paid taxes. Not that you had taxes withheld and you got it all back, or maybe even plus an earned income tax credit but that you actually paid taxes, meaning not not Social Security or Medicare taxes, by the way, federal income tax, meaning you paid in, say, $4,000, and you got $3,999 back. Guess what? You're a federal taxpayer. But if you paid in $4,000 or withheld $4,000, and you got 4000 back or more because of their earned income tax credit, you are not a federal income tax payer. And I think it should be that simple. There's no discrimination based on race. There's no discrimination based on anything other than the fact that you paid taxes. Now, why do I say this? Because 51% of American citizens or American residents, people that file taxes, don't pay any federal income tax. And because of that, and because these citizens vote that don't pay income tax, what is it? What is their incentive to vote? Their incentive to vote is to make sure that the people that are in office continue keeping it so they don't have to pay taxes. So the majority of this nation does not pay federal income tax. Now, personally, get rid of the 16th Amendment, go to a sales tax, which is the fair tax. I'm happy as can be. Let everybody vote then. Get rid of that income tax requirement, which doesn't exist, only in fantasy land for me. And then everybody has the same. 
It'll never happen. What else can we talk about? President Trump even weighed in, and, and I'm going to just take a few minutes and talk about Trump, and then we're going to call it a day. He's weighed in, trying to get people to support Kevin McCarthy for speaker, and frankly, the Republicans do need to get together. They need to they need to go to these people, Gates and, and Chip Roy and such, and they say, okay, what is it going to get for you? Because here's the, here's the thing. Right now, there's a rule. They passed the rule saying that there has to be 72 hours before you can have a vote on a bill. And what and what what happened with that? 48 hours before the vote on the congressional rules is when the members of Congress outside of the outside of the leadership got the proposed rule changes. So, in their very first outing, they broke their own rule. 72 hours, by the way, not enough to read a 4,000-page bill. And yes, it should be that. So there are people that say, there are people that say, well, you know, you should not, you know, you have people to break that down and such. And so it should not have to be, have to read each and every bill. Guess what? Wrong. Staffers aren't the ones voting. Now, the staffers can highlight, you know, they each take a chunk while the, the congressman's reading through it, and they can say, uh, Congressman, here's this that you should look at. This is something I highlighted for you that you should be aware of. If they can't read a bill... Before they're required to vote on it, they have no business voting on it other than to vote no. Now, I mentioned Donald Trump. Donald Trump has come out and he's essentially blamed the pro-life caucus, uh, the Dobbs decision, for the midterm losses. Now, remember, Donald Trump is not going to accept any responsibility. And there's been actually some fairly uh, uh, in-depth studies showing that a Trump endorsement for a candidate usually had that candidate going about five to six points behind other Republicans in that same arena. For example, in Georgia, you know, Brian Kemp, the uh, the governor that was reelected, overwhelming numbers this time around, uh, came out considerably ahead of Herschel Walker. Across the nation, the results are fairly consistent that a Donald Trump endorsement was a five to six point deficit from other Republicans. In Nevada, the Republican won the governorship, but Adam Lexalt lost, and he was a, a Trump-supported candidate. Now, that five to six points only is, is, is an average. Some lost by considerably greater amounts. And we can talk about some of the other reasons why, but as a causal factor, that has been identified. So what is Trump doing? He's out there deflecting. He's, you know, even though, remember, he, he put Amy Coney Barrett in right at the very last minute 
literally, to replace replace uh, Ruth uh, Ginsburg. And she was a deciding factor on the Dobbs decision. So Trump should take some responsibility for that because, you know, he campaigned on that. It's just like the same as uh, same as that uh, uh, nut job in Utah, Evan McMullen, who, who campaigned in 2016 saying Trump would not be as pro-life as, as he's trying to make out, which turns out he was right, but not in the way he expected. But even Evan McMullen, who was super pro-life in 2016 when he was running as an independent, trying to run to the right of Trump in 2022, running against Senator Mike Lee, came out and was, well, you know, the Supreme Court should never have overturned Roe, which actually he had advocated in 2016. Etc. Etc. Abortion is not a right, and this is where you know libertarians. There's a divide amongst libertarians. No matter what some people will try to tell you, the smallest minority is the individual, and the most defenseless minority is the unborn child. Now, Republicans should have, and the Lib did advocate here, that when the leak came out from Dobbs, before Dobbs was officially publicized, the Lib advocated, and I agree since, that it would have mitigated so much of the problems that we're seeing now, that states that had automatic triggers for if Roe was ever overturned, they should have gone, even called an emergency legislative session, session if they had already adjourned and said that this law will be paused should Roe be overturned so that we can properly analyze what we should do. Because like most, you know, it's a feel-good moment. You know, you go out, you know, you're a red state, you go out and you say we're going to ban abortion. And it's easy to do because you know that it's never going to be upheld. Because of Roe. But then Roe's overturned. And so now you've got all these laws which which in this day and age simply do not reflect the will of the people. Now the will of the people should not determine right and wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are many things that are legal that are in my view, well not in my view, but they are wrong. But we live in a pluralistic society. And while I'm not prepared to call an abortion a murder in the same sense that killing a person today is, it's certainly easy to understand why someone would say that. But the American public is not there. And so what is Donald Trump doing? putting the blame anywhere but on himself. All right. So I think that's enough for today. I've gone way long. It's the Snake River Lib. My life matters. Your life matters. It matters to me. Does it to you? 
Have a great day.